Good morning, everyone. How are you this morning? This, I hope it's a lovely day. And it's been a bit wet these days, hasn't it? But it's fine at the moment. So I hope we're going to have a really blessed experience together around God's Word and that we'll come to know in a very special way the presence of God with us. Our lessons today are in the Gospels and essentially in the book of Mark about sight being miraculously given to a blind man. But to begin with, we have a wide context uh, comment uh, to put us in the picture. Let us ask the Lord for his blessing upon us just for a moment, casting our eyes above. Father in heaven, we thank you for drawing us together. We pray your blessing upon our gathering, and we pray that the Spirit of God will be especially noticeable amongst us, leading us to see him more. We give you thanks and praise the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm told that worldwide, 253 million people are visually impaired. 36 million are fully blind, and 1 billion people have nearsighted impairment. Blinded at the age of three, Louis Braille was only 15 when, in 1824, he invented the universal system of reading and writing for blind people known by his name as Braille. At the time of Christ, the blind and those with other physical infirmities were considered a burden to the society. They were left by their families and commonly ended up begging for food and money in the streets. They were looked down upon as among the lowest class in the society. They had no wealth and no power that people might respect them. Now, a passage especially that we're going to be reading this morning is taken from Mark chapter 4, verse 46. It reads like this. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. I like those words, you know, his life must have been Pretty bad and detestable and sad, blind, sitting by the roadside day after day. And so the crowd says to him, cheer up, and it's going to be a cheerful day for this blind man today. Throwing off his cloak, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The Bible speaks of eight specific instances where Jesus healed blind people. And other scriptures tell of the healing of blind amongst other diseases which were brought to him. In the Old Testament, we are told that the Israelites were tempted to bring sacrifices of animals which were of less value. Those which were sick, the lame and the blind, not giving their best. Uh, 
the manner in which the people gave God what they saw as of little value was detestable to God. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke of the blind leading the blind. He was using blindness in a spiritual sense, saying that the Pharisees, leaders of Israel at the time, were in their hearts blind, not wanting to or even able to see the truth, and yet calling upon the blind of the society around them to follow them. God used blindness, that is the inability to see physically, as an illustration of the inability to see spiritually. Blindness, he said, was like being lost, not actually lost, but a picture of being spiritually lost and unable to see the truth. If you like, blind in mind, mentally blind. This was a scathing criticism of their leadership. They needed to come to Jesus, the one who could heal both physically blind as well as those who were blind in heart and spirit. In the book of Exodus, Moses wrote these words given to him by God. Who, who gave man his mouth, God says? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? That's Exodus chapter 4 and verse 11. And David said in one of the Psalms, 146 verses 7 and 8, The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Many centuries ago, in 1536, the words, Lord, open the King of England's eyes, rang out from the martyr's flames as William Tyndale breathed his last. It was a period of great turmoil and terrible violence towards Christians themselves and the Christian church in general, and many were executed for their faith. The question as to who should have the privilege of reading and indeed interpreting the Bible and who shouldn't was the problem. Some said that only the clergy should have this privilege, and others that the Bible should be open to be read by all, clergy and laity alike. Tyndale fell into the latter group, who believed that the Bible ought to be a book for all. The ploughboy said as well as the priest. He was a brilliant scholar, who not only was master of the English language, as was the great Shakespeare himself, who lived about that time just a little later, but of other languages also Tyndale knew. Tyndale affected the whole course of Bible translations down to the present day, and most of our well-known King James Version, and also known as the Authorized Version, came from his pen. It was as a result of his work that the Bible became central to the worship of the Church. Yet for all this, he was rejected as a heretic, strangled and indeed then burnt. It was a struggle to the death, but it was three years after his martyrdom that the king's eyes were opened, and he licensed, or if you like, authorised Bibles to be read in parish churches in England. It wasn't that the king of England was blind physically, but that he couldn't understand how important it was that the Bible be known and read by all. When the eyes of his understanding were opened, 
he realized how crucial this was and made it official, possible, officially possible for all to read the Bible. This was possibly the most important occasion of the opening of a person's eyes of understanding to see the truth in all of the history of the church. Today, we might be blind to the truth, having our own minds locked down. Yes, locked down. Closed off to see any further challenges, so becoming shut in to our own systems of belief, unwilling to see anything new. The verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 reads, The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Sometimes our eyes might become so locked on the circumstances immediately surrounding us that we haven't got time for the really important things in life. Getting our priorities in a mix, not having time for those things that really do matter and giving time to the stuff of less value, eyes full with things of little value. Our story today is told in each of the three synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke. But we will focus on the account given by Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. This story, narrated by each of the three similar gospel writers, Matthew, Mark and Luke, is about a rushing, noisy crowd and a blind man searching for healing. He asks some who were nearby, trying to gain some understanding of what was going on around him. Where was this crowd going? Where's the crowd going? I was looking at the crowds uh, on TV just during the week. Uh, last week it was. And as the crowd, thousands of them fled from those buildings which collapsed in 9-11 in America, there was a, a comment captured by the, the person filming Somebody was just confused and didn't know where everything was and what was happening. And she asked her neighbor, where is everyone going? And I thought, well, that's a wonderful question and it needs to be answered properly. Where is everyone going? Where am I going? Where are you going this day? Where are we going in life? Where are the people of Tauranga, the people of New Zealand? Where are the people of the world going? We're all going somewhere and crowds moving along the street in that, uh, at that occasion, just a mass of people. Where is everyone going? Yes. We need to ask that question today, personally. Where am I going? Trying to gain some understanding of what was going on, on around him, he asked this question, where was this crowd going? Because when you are blind, you just don't know. You don't know a lot of things. In truth, this was Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem. And within a few short weeks, maybe just a couple of weeks, he would suffer and die. What is it like to be blind? You know, I have never been blind, so I surmise some of these things with some sensitivity and tentativity. Briefly consider what it must be like to be blind. We get some ideas from this story. Some very simple observations might be that, yes, blindness is limiting. It's confining. You can't get around. He was, 
sitting by the road. That's given to us in Luke 18 and verse 35. He was sitting by the road. He used to sit there every day. The book of Deuteronomy speaks of one even in the noonday sun at midday groping around like a blind man in the dark. You'll find that in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 29. It causes dependency, casting a person upon the help and goodwill of others, individuals and organizations, and how grateful we are this day and age in New Zealand for the blind society, such a magnificent work that they do amongst us, don't they? This man, he can't do business. He is forced to beg, and to find out what the commotion all around him was about, he had to ask and seek help from others. Does he know he is blind? Does he have to be told? No, he didn't have to be told. Now, remember, you're blind. Don't go out. Stay home. He wasn't like so many today who actually don't know that they might be sick, or do know and simply deny the obvious. It's a sad thing to be sick and not know it. You know... I'm no physician, but to have a cut on your finger or a sprained ankle, you can see it quite well and physically do something about it. But if the ache is internal and you can't see it, it can become quite concerning, especially if the problem becomes increasingly severe and we don't know what is causing it. We begin to think nasty thoughts about the nasty swelling and take a couple more Panadol than we normally should. And eventually, still, in the end, we have to take it off to a doctor to have it examined. But here, I'm not just talking about bodily ailments, but rather an inward sickness, which the Bible talks about as a sickness of the soul and spirit. And this can be more hurtful than a physical pain. There is a spiritual part of our being which can very easily be ruptured and put out of harmony with the rest of our life, causing us to go through horrible inner turmoil turmoil and stress. Sometimes a long and arduous search doesn't solve the problem, simply delaying the inevitable. In such circumstances, where can we find help? And after unsuccessfully trying this and that and running here and there, we may be none the wiser but exactly about what exactly to do. Until, in desperation, still blind, and at the end of ourselves, we too, like this blind man of old, need to have a personal encounter with the God who made us. We may experience a deep inward longing for the truth and not know how or where to find it. But praise God, this day was about to change for this blind man. There was to be a very special meeting that day, quite unplanned, quite unexpected. I think it wasn't in his diary. A meeting between the light of the world and this man's world of darkness. For Jesus of Nazareth, the light of the world was passing by that day. And it could be that in your own world, you didn't expect to meet Jesus today, but he is passing by, near you and I in spirit. You can't see him with your physical eyes, but he is there nonetheless, spiritually near, and you might see or sense, have the sense of an inner voice speaking in tender and quiet and godly tones of affection and comfort to your inner being. This man isn't confused about what he wants. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, 
And at this, he began to raise his voice. He began shouting. Amongst the din of the crowd, he's shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All three narratives tell us this. Probably the reputation of this one called Jesus had filtered across the vines of Israel to, to him. And in this way, he knew that this was his day. What? Jesus, so near as to be reachable with the shout of his voice. He couldn't believe it. He was going to seize this. This was his day. But when, he, when we hear him calling out for this one to help, it wasn't simply Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus, the son of David, or Lord, Rabbi, son of David. There is a great significance in his calling Jesus, son of David. And to understand this, we need to go back into the Old Testament scriptures concerning the identity of Jesus and who he really was. Here, the man is demonstrating great faith in who this person really was. This person wasn't simply Jesus from the insignificant town of Nazareth. He gave this person a much greater, a much higher and superior identity. He said that he believed that this Jesus was of the lion of the great King David. And if so, then he was the Messiah, a person spoken of in one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible, which said that the Messiah would come through the line of David. The angel had promised to Mary that her son would be son of the Most High, and God would give him the throne of his father David. It is this one who is passing by that day, making his way toward Jerusalem and to all that would befall him there. So the man used this highly significant name, saying, Jesus, son of David, the one promised of ancient times, you have come. It is you. I believe it. It is you. Have mercy on me. Do you know, dear listener, whoever you might be, Possibly we haven't met before, at whatever time of day it is that you will be listening to this recording, whether it's morning or afternoon or evening, in whatever state of mind or emotion you may be in, this same Jesus, the Son of David, is here and now, here and now passing by your life in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. As the Lord's servant, I prayerfully invite you to reach out to him in faith, even call out to him, even touch him, saying, Lord, I need you today. Heal my unbelief. Jesus asked the man what it was that he wanted. And there is no doubt in his answer. Well, he wants a private jet, right? Ah, uh, think again. He wants 30 million deposited in his account in the Bank of Jerusalem. He wants some money, right? No. Well, he wants a well-paid job in Egypt, right? No, he was blind. Well, none of the above we could say. He knows what he wants. And it's not the fading material things of that day. Sometimes we think that this and that might satisfy the longing need of our heart. And we're quite wrong in those things. He says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. I'm blind and I want to see. He says, Lord Jesus, you know I'm blind, physically blind, and I want to see. He knew very well of his sickness. 
what his problem was, and he simply wanted that fixed. It was nothing less or more complex than that. Simply the restoration of his sight. He was quite clear about that. May I be so personal, even so specific, with ourselves here today, do we know what we truly need in life? Or perhaps we don't know or have never been asked about this, the realities of life. Well, perhaps we need to be asked today, do we really know what it is truly that we need deep down in our most personal part of our soul and spirit? Do we know what we need? We can search for this and that and we think we find some satisfaction in those things. But no, there is a deeper thing than that. We need to know the person of the Lord Jesus, the presence of the Spirit of God. Those things we need to know in the depths of our being. Have we been asked about the realities of life and even death? The things that really count both now and in the future. Life has had its sorrows and pains and those searching, we haven't been able to identify just what the problem really is. So what do we want today? Is Jesus the son of David was to ask me, if Jesus the son of David was to ask me or ask you today, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? Lord, my spiritual eyes, help me see those truths which speak of life and death of heaven itself and the beauties that are there. I want to walk with, to experience, to be aware of the presence of Jesus and to be filled with the Spirit of God on a daily basis, each day and each hour, so that I can walk and talk and sing along with Him. That's what I want. Those are the, that's the important thing about life for me. When some disillusioned had left Jesus, He asked the disciples if they would leave also, but they replied, saying, Lord, to whom shall we go and listen to these words? You have the words of eternal life. Somehow they knew the words that the Lord had, and they dwelt on those words. They were words about eternal life, about the life hereafter, about an everlasting experience with him in the glory in heaven. Yes, that's what they believed. Jesus had the answer to life's great questions, specifically eternal life. Do we have the answer to that? We find those answers in the scriptures which I've read to you and more of them also. The situation is exactly the same in our day. Jesus is still calling us to come again to him and we respond saying, you have the words of eternal life. The situation never changes and if you have heard the call before but somehow didn't respond because things were too busy or rather confusing, I am here as the Lord's servant to say again, the Lord is still the same today and forever, and he always is still willing to help, to open blind eyes to see and accept the presence and the glory of Christ. So it may be so with you today also. And finally, what did the blind man do after receiving his sight? Well, Mark leaves us in no doubt, and I like this. He says that he followed Jesus along the road. He followed Jesus along the road. Are you a good follower or are you a good leader? I think sometimes we all need to lead and sometimes need to follow as well. And if you have a leader like, excuse me, like Jesus, then he's the one to follow in life's difficulties and trials, ups and downs. My, la my last mental image is of once 
a once blind, of this story is of a once blind man sitting helpless and dejected by the side of the Jericho Road, now following Jesus, praising God along with the crowd. How was this man healed? Well, Matthew says that Jesus touched their eyes. Jesus said that their faith had healed them. Faith is a confident assurance in what we do not see or understand. It is a strong conviction that we are part of a greater plan, that there is more to the world than what we see with our own two eyes. This blind man couldn't understand, but yet he cried out to Jesus, who believed he believed to be the Son of God. Stro so strong was his belief that he threw off his coat, probably thinking, well, I won't need this anymore. He leapt to his feet. His moment had come, and he was going to meet the Lord, the Son of David. This was his day, and he was going to seize it for his own blessing and power and glory for his own life. He wasn't going to miss it for anything in the world. Off with those encumbrances. I'm going to see the Lord. I'm going to see the Lord. So today, 19th of September or some other day, this could be your day. The day when you meet the Lord Jesus, the only one who is able to meet those deep trials and heartaches of your life. So I invite you to meet the Lord today. He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Come to Jesus today. Call upon him while he is near. He knows and loves the brokenhearted. Jesus is very near and is passing by your life today. Sometimes we have sung this wonderful hymn. I'll just read a verse, a couple of verses. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our soul's diseases. No, not, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Lord, thank you for being with us today. And we pray that we might know the presence of God passing by our lives. We pray that we will call upon him, that he will stop and talk to us and speak with us. May we be more of his, see more of his presence and be aware of his nearness to us and inward blessing upon our lives each day. We give you glory, all the glory. You are a blessed and a wonderful God to us. We pray for your protection and love be still upon us each day for Jesus' sake and for his glory. Amen.